You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. Man, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. We live stream our second gathering. Could you help greet those that are watching online right now and welcome them? And we also rebroadcast it into several correctional facilities across the state of Alaska. So um, if you're watching, uh, thanks, for, thanks for being a part of True North. Um, uh, we're, we're in a sort of new series next week called Daring Faith. It's a 10-week series. We talk about how to, the, the key to miracles. How many, want, how many want miracles in your life? How many guys miracles still happen? How many guys still believe miracles happen today? And so we're going to talk about daring faith, the, the faith to believe in miracles, and, and it, it's going to lead into, and part, part of our life group series will actually be a part of that series as well, and that'll start on the 17th of September here in a few weeks, and so we're super excited about that. Um, but uh, today, I, I, the, the, we're kind of in between series, and I, I want to kind of give you a vision update. We're, we're in a relocation a journey here at True North, um, and we truly believe at True North our, our future is incredible. Um, in fact, I say it often, our best days are ahead. I truly believe our best days are ahead. Um, and I want to take uh, just a moment today uh, to kind of talk about our future. Now, here's the thing. We've always believed this. I've always said it since I, uh, since I became on, on staff here, is that we, we want to be a church that's a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermometer simply reflects the temperature uh, of the area or the room or, the, uh, or the, out, the outdoor temperature, right, or the inside. A thermostat shifts that temperature. And as a church, we don't want to simply reflect the temperature of our culture or our city or our region. We want to change the temperature. How many of you guys believe that God, if we have God inside of us, God's a change agent? The greatest he that's in us, that he that's in the world, that we can change things around us. How many believe that? Hopefully you believe, if you're a parent, I sure hope you're a thermostat, not a thermometer. And, and so uh, today is not a typical Sunday. And if you're a guest with us, I'm glad you're here. Uh, and, and I don't apologize for today because I actually think it would be a great day to be here as a guest because 85% of churches in America are on the decline and they're going backwards. And the day you get to hear uh, uh, one of the 15% of the churches in America that's growing, that's thriving, that's doing good, you have a chance to hear vision. And without vision, people perish. And I'm, I'm convinced that there are people in cities across America that are perishing because churches don't have momentum, don't have vision, don't have forward movement. So I don't apologize for today. Today's the day I'm going to tell you where we're going, how we're going to get there, we're going to update. See, two years ago, actually four years ago, uh, let's back up, July 27th, 2014, there was... 58 adults in the sanctuary. There was 87 people here at church on True North. Uh, uh, last week, we were just shy of, of 1450 last week. And so we've had incredible growth. And with that comes opportunities and comes challenges. So four years ago, we began to look around, identified some land on College Road, and uh, over about a 12-month process, put together five real estate transactions and purchased 18 acres. Nobody has 18 acres in airport, or excuse me, in Fairbanks, Alaska, walking distance from the university except for True North Church. And God's helped us do that. And so, uh, uh, and in the process of purchasing that land, we said, let's, 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 let's rally the church and say, hey, how are we going to, what are our next steps? What's God's vision? And so two years ago, we started on a journey called Churchpacity. 
And we have some banners on the wall, but church capacity is simple. It's, it's, it's three words in one. It's church. It's capacity. But there's a third word that we love, and they're called city. Because we're a city church. We don't, we don't want to be the best church in Fairbanks, Alaska. We want to be the best church for Fairbanks, Alaska. And so we're, we, we want our church to maximize our capacity to impact our city. And guess what? You're the church. You're you. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones that gather. You're, you're the church. And t- today, we're going to lock the doors on this building, but the church is going to leave this building. That's why when COVID happened, we never closed the church. We closed the building, but the church was very active in Fairbanks, Alaska, because you're the church. And so Church Passy stands for three things, a people of faith. That's why next week we're doing a 10-week series on faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you guys want to be people of faith? How many of you guys want to please God? How many of you guys want to believe your best days for your family, the best days for your city, the best days for the military bases, the universities, the campuses in our community? The best days are ahead. So we're a people of faith. We live on mission. What does that mean? We see, we, we believe this. We believe you're either a missionary or you're a mission field. I said it last week. We said it this way. That we are called to evangelize. We're called to live Jesus in front of our neighbors, in front of our coworkers, in front of our city. And, and, and if we don't evangelize, we'll fossilize. There were one generation from extinction, so we're people who live on mission. That God called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and that means my area code, my zip code, my neighborhood. That means my city. That means my school. That that means God's called to live on mission. That I have a job to do, and that's to tell people around me about Jesus. I, I have uh, every year at Christmas and Easter, we ask people to do a five friend focus to pray for five friends, and one of my friends I've been praying for for several years. I told my wife yesterday, I said, Heidi, he is, my friend is so close to making a commitment to know Jesus, but he was so hurt by the church when he was a kid, uh, and now he's in his 60s, but he, like, I'm, I'm helping him build a greenhouse at his house right now, and he just dug out. Now, this might not be a big, my, my neighbor, my friend, my, one of the people I've been trying to, to, to share Jesus with just dug out his favorite tree that he, 12 years ago, germinated a seed and planted it's a Siberian fir tree. It's beautiful. He has it in a wheelbarrow. He's going to plant it in my, in my front yard this tomorrow, today or tomorrow. You might say, why is the big deal? This guy's a tree guy, and he's giving me his favorite tree. That's living on mission. All of us are called to live on mission. But here's the challenge. As, as we have been a people of faith living on mission, the, the challenge we have is now we need a place with more space. There comes a time when the building you currently have just doesn't always work for as many people as we have. And so we started this, 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 this initiative to uh, begin to relocate and to maximize our capacity. And like I said, five transactions and 18 acres later, we've remodeled an existing building that's over there. Last week, they had 328 people in two gatherings, which was more than they had in the grand opening two years ago there. And so God's doing great things at, at, at College Road. And so that's where we're at. Um, and, and the reason we're doing that is because we believe this with all our heart at True North, that every person has a name and every name has a soul and every soul has an expiration date and every soul has an eternal destiny and we believe this we believe that if you die 
When, you, when your expiration date comes up on the milk carton of your life, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're going to be destined in a place away from Jesus. So church pasty is important for us because we believe that if, there, if we're still here, that means we need to make more room for more people because that's just what we do. We got to make our hearts enlarge our hearts. I had someone when I first started the church started growing 10 years ago, people was like, ah, it's getting too big. I don't know if I like this place. I'm thinking like, you won't like heaven. Now, I understand there's introverts and extroverts. I get that. But to say that we don't like it because there's too many people, that's a scary statement. What you could say is my personality is, 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 it doesn't like a lot of people. But we, don't, we, we want more people to know Jesus. And when we get to heaven, every tribe and every tongue is going to be around that throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I don't know about you. I can't wait for that day. Every ethnic group, every, every, every part of our culture and our world, there'll be people sit, standing next to us like, you're here? Can't wait for that day. If they look back, like, like well, not because of you. No. Um, when, when I was in seventh grade, I, uh, 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 I was in a class, and, and I was a flirt back then. Um, and I remember in the back of the class messing around, which wasn't typical. I was, I was a good student, but I was messing around. A couple of cute girls back there, I was flirting with them. And, and they, we were talking, and I started, to, I was talking like Yogi Bear to them. I don't know why, but I was talking about, hey, boo-boo, you know, Steve takes a picnic basket. And, and, and my teacher says, Mark Zweifel, who do you think you are? I thought he meant, like, who do I think I'm talking like right now? So I said, Yogi Bear. He didn't think it was funny. He said, you need to go to Mr. Bristow's office now. That was the principal's office. I said, yes, sir. And now what he didn't know is I had Mr. Bristow in my back pocket. I was one of those kids. No, I wasn't one of those kids. But I, was, I grew up on a dairy farm. And my dad probably had four or 500 cattle on one side of the street. Uh, and right next to us was the Department of Transportation. And the, I mean, the, literally, the city limits was about 100 feet from our barn. And uh, right across the street from us was the bowling alley. It was in the city limits. And right next to the bowling alley was Mr. Bristow, who had about an acre. And he had three steers. And when his steers got out, you know who they called at 2 o'clock in the morning? When you have 500 black and white cattle who, who sometimes get out, and you got another guy with three black and white cattle, when they get out, see, there's some people that don't understand the difference between a cow and a steer. I could describe it if you wanted me to, but I won't right now. And so if they saw a black and white animal on the street, they'd call the Zweifels. Hey, Zweifels, your cows are out. So my dad would wake up and go, hey, boys, the cows are out. So we'd go downstairs, put our shorts on, and, you know, we'd put our tennis shoes, and we'd go chase these cows. It was Mr. Bristow's cows three nights in a row. And my dad would say, hey, you know, Jim, you got to get your fence fixed. Well, the last night, my dad says, Mark, bring the fence fixing gear. So I'm at 2 o'clock in the morning fixing Mr. Bristow's fence. That's the day I got kicked out of class for saying Yogi Bear. <laughs> so I sat down and I said, Mr. Bristow, how you doing? Good. Hey, thanks for fixing that fence last night. Let me know if there's anything I can ever do for you. I says, well, guess what? He says, just sit here. He got me a donut from the teacher's shop, teacher's lounge, and I finished eating my donut, and I never called anyone. I never acted like Yogi Bear again. I, I got saved. Um, but Jesus once, they asked him, who do you think you are? In fact, Jesus, he asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And in Matthew chapter 16, they say, well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, all these different things. This is who they think you are. And then he says, but Peter, Peter, who do you 
say I am. And in Matthew chapter 16, I love this, this dialogue between Jesus and Peter. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Could you imagine hanging out with the Messiah, the son of the living God at Starbucks or ACRC or Buckos or Mocha Dan's, right? Obviously in Fairbanks. And so, but, but he, he, he goes, you're the Messiah. You're the hinge of history. You're the one that all the Old Testament's prophets prophesied about. You're the son of the living God. You pitched your tent among us and lived in my neighborhood. You're, you're, you're the son of God. And, and Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. In other words, you didn't get this because of some cognitive intellectual training in some classroom where you had some facts from, from, from Wikipedia or, or Britannica. Wikipedia wasn't around back then. It was maybe Hebrew. I don't know. Never mind. Stick to my notes. But reason, reason is are, are facts. They're intellectual attainment uh, uh, of learning uh, that makes sense. That you can figure out and you can learn. He says, but you didn't learn about this from some textbook. It was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. In other words, we call that revelation. How many want to go? There's, there's two ways to learn. And, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. I think both are great. I want inside treasure information that God gives me prophetic insight for, but I also want to understand that train up a, I, I want to love the Lord God with all my, all my mind too. I want to learn. I want to, I want to do uh, some growth. I want to study the word and I want to rightly divide the word of God. I want to uh, sharpen the, I, I, I want to study the word and rightly, I want those things, but I also want God to speak to me. So Peter says, uh, man, you're the Messiah. The son of the living God. Jesus goes, that, that wasn't revealed to you from textbook. That was insider information that won't get you thrown in jail like Martha Stewart had. That's from God. And then Jesus said this. And upon that rock, upon what rock? Upon the confession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the son of the living God. Upon that rock, that foundation that you can build your life upon. He says, I will what? What's he say? I will build my church and what? The gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. In other words, upon what? Upon that confession. How many want to know everything rises and falls on the Messiah? How many want to know everything rises and falls on Jesus Christ being the son of the living God? Because if he's the son of the living God, he's without sin, which means he came to earth and he could die on the cross someday and offer a, a sinless sacrifice for our sins. How many want to know that's a good deal? When we've all sinned. But he said, upon this rock, I'll build my what? Church. Now that word build, in the, in the Greek language, there's two, two strains of meaning with that in the Greek language. Build literally means to erect buildings. Upon this rock, upon the confession, I'll, I will build chapels someday. I'll build cathedrals someday. I'll build tabernacles someday. I'll build synagogues someday. I'll build buildings someday upon that. And how, how many are thankful that there's buildings across the world that have been built to proclaim the name of Jesus? And if you lift him up, he'll draw all people nigh to him. So 
You erect buildings, but it also carries with it more than that. It carries with this idea, there's this metaphor that I'll build, and that metaphor in the Greek language means to establish and to grow. In other words, upon this rock, I will establish, and I will grow people. And, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. See, I do believe it means buildings, but more than buildings, it means I'm building my people, my ecclesia, the church, the called out ones who will gather together and, and, the, and, and, and I, will, I will build them and I will mature them and I will grow them. And he says, that church that's built up and growing, with or without a building, the gates of hell will not prevail against that. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. How many want to know? You plus God's the majority. And everywhere you go, if you take the Holy Spirit with you, you could shift the atmosphere. How many believe that? And so I, I, I believe as you study scripture, there's a, there's a metaphor or I would call it a motif, a theme. You can, you, there's lots of motifs, but one of the motifs in, 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 the, in the Bible, I think, is God is a builder and a battler. God's always been a builder and a battler. Later on in in, in Luke chapter 14, he's talking about discipleship. He's talking about those who follow him. See, we don't have the word discipleship in the Bible. We have the word disciple. Disciple someone who's grown, who, who, who's learned the teachings of a master teacher. And, and, and Jesus, in Luke chapter 14, begins to talk about, he says, if you, if you want to be my disciple, he says, you, you need to... Um, you need to love me more than you love your father and your mother and your siblings. And you need, to, you need to love yourself. You need to love me more than yourself. Then he goes on and says, and if you want to be my disciples, follow me. You have to do what? You have to pick up your cross and follow me. And then he starts telling this little parable that we think has nothing to do with disciple, becoming a disciple. It has everything to do with becoming a disciple. He starts saying, hey, Suppose there's a contractor who's building a tower. And this contractor doesn't have all the supplies and the wood and the resources to build the, temp, the, 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 the tower. Would, 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 wouldn't he look stupid to the world if he tried to build the tower and didn't have what he needed? And then he says, suppose there's a king who goes off to war. And don't you think before he goes to war, he would count the number of people that are battling for him? Because he wants to make sure he can win the war. And what Jesus is saying is what he said back in, upon this rock I'll build my, he's been building and battling, but he's building his church. And he wants to make sure he's got the raw materials and the resources and the battlers to make sure he can build and battle. So as a church, I want to talk about where we're at, because I believe this. I believe rarely do churches, I shouldn't say this, many churches, but rarely is there a generation alive at the time that gets to experience. See, our church is 83 years old. It was planted 83 years ago in August at 315th 4th Avenue. There's an empty parking lot uh, right across the street from Golden Towers downtown. And from that parking lot, you can see a Chevron station. And from that parking lot, you can see the building, that the big uh, old hotel, they're going to millennial hotel, they're tearing down. From that parking lot is where our church was planted 83 years ago by Emma and Charles Hershey, who drove their car up from, from, from Arkansas. Aren't you thankful for people in Arkansas that could see this? They didn't see this. 
But they, 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 within, within a year of being, a church being planted in, in, a, in a home on 4th Avenue in Fairbanks, Alaska, they started meeting in a, in a rented building. And then they started, then they went to a, they went to the Oddfellows Hall and then the Masonic Temple, which fell down a year or two ago. And then they rented a Lutheran church in town. And the funny thing is, is uh, we have, a, a, you know, Walt Nielsen's right back here near the back. And Walt, um, I know you're not supposed to do this to like ever call out people out at church, but here's Walt. Um, I love Walt. <laughs> but Walt grew up in the Lutheran church in Minnesota. And his wife grew up Pentecostal. And they're in the military without a vehicle, and they had an apartment near the Lutheran church that we were renting. And he says, we're going to go to the church closest to our apartment because it's wintertime. We have to walk. She says, okay, honey, you're the husband. I'll let you lead the way. And so he's all excited to know the Lutheran church is the closest. She's all excited when they hop in there to realize these some of the guys renting the Lutheran church. <laughs> and 50-some years later, 60 years later, here's Walt still here. So we want to talk about what does it look like when we partner with God who's building and battling in Fairbanks, Alaska. Now, I want to talk about the faith, about the facts, and the facts about our faith. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, church capacity is bigger than a building. It's bigger than an address. It's bigger than a new sanctuary. It's bigger than a building project. Church capacity is an act prompted by our faith. And I love what Paul said to the Thessalonians. He says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling. Anyone want to be counted worthy of God's calling upon your life? And that by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Paul is telling Thessalonians, I pray God would count you worthy of your calling and every bodacious, crazy act prompted by your faith. And we're a people of faith living on mission. We're building a place of more faith. And it takes faith to believe God for that. So church capacity is, is, is about an act prompted by our faith. It's advancing the building and the battling plan for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's advancing the kingdom of God that none would perish and all would come to repentance in Fairbanks. It's a strategic investment to establish a spiritual beachhead in the interior of Alaska to reach people far from Jesus. That's what it is. It's bigger than a building. Number two, church capacity includes a building. It includes a building. We, we, uh, we don't mind adding gatherings. Again, on September 17th, we're, we're going to have four here rather than three. So y'all are going to have to look at your calendar, and you're going to have to figure out a different time to come to church because the times are changing again. But why? Well, because I have two jobs. One, to comfort the afflicted, and number two, afflict the comforted. <laughs> no. Our parking lot is full before our sanctuary is full. And so if our sanctuary is almost full, I can tell you right now, our parking lot's full. And so we're actually going to change at 8 o'clock, 9.30, 11, and 12.30. So when someone drives in at 10 o'clock, uh, or 8, no, 8, at 9.30, and someone comes in at 9.30 and we're full, we can say, go to College Road. They start in a half hour over there. If they drive in 11, we can go, not a problem. It's full, 11.30 at College Road. So there's, there's a reason for it. And we also... Um, just, we, we want to make sure that some of you are late for at least one week as you forgot about the time change. But that's the 17th of September. Don't worry about it. We had a month. But, but it includes the building. 
And, and this is the reason part. Again, information, there's, re, there's faith, and there's revelation, there's, and there's facts and reason. But here's the facts. We're going to build a 20,000 square foot sanctuary. Uh, uh, it's going to seat about 750 people. It's got a beautiful foyer. There's plenty of parking. It'll be a phased-in project. And, and we'll talk more about this in November as we unpack it a little bit more for you. And, and, and uh, 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 5,000 square foot, fo- our foyer is going to be like this big, but 140 feet long by like 40 feet. It's going to be a, a coffee. And, <laughs> coffee and God are just like, that's God's. It's a sacred bean, right? Now, currently, we, 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 the facts, we've already, we've already done the, the geotech and the ground enhancement. In fact, I don't know if some of you knew this. We had to drop this huge 15-ton like, piece of uh, uh, cement and beat the ground. They call it deep dynamic compaction. The neighbors called it True North Earthquakes. They made a Facebook page called True North Earthquakes, and people were all upset with us causing earthquakes. And I'm thinking, like, <laughs> uh, uh, we're thermostats. Um, <laughs> you're going to feel it. OK, never mind. Um, Within the next month, the steel will be erected. So we're building, uh, uh, but what we're building is mission critical space. The current sanctuary that we have right now, um, that whole building will be offices upstairs and then downstairs will be, um, will, will be our kids' church. And then um, we're excited the next several weeks we'll hopefully have time, be able to give you an update as our applications of the state come back for our daycare and, and, and early childhood learning center. But hopefully we'll give you an update on that very soon. But the lower level will be a daycare and preschool, a daycare uh, during the week, weekends, kids' church, and then we'll have uh, the, the, the other auditorium for adults. We'll see about 750. Um, so that's where we're at. It, it's more than a building, it's, but it includes a building. Um, but number three, church pastor looks beyond the building. I hope you can see stuff right now. I'm going to ask you to try to help with faith, to see, you know, your faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you have the faith to believe? I'll tell you what I see. I don't just see a building. I don't just see more than a building. I see beyond that. I see thousands of friends and neighbors at a harvest carnival on October 31st every year as thousands come through. And there's a spot in there where we share the gospel with some, in a kid-friendly thing. And, and, and so I, I, see, I see a huge East, indoor Easter egg hunt at Easter time. I see, I see 800 kids at our mega sports camp. 800. You know how many families you impact with 800 kids from mega sports camp? I see 5,000 people at Easter. That's doubling what we currently do with our gatherings. I see 5,000 people at Easter. I see hundreds come to know Jesus. I, I, see, I see 750 candles lit at, at every Christmas Eve gathering. Could you imagine singing Silent Night with 750 other people? Believing God for revival in the city. You know, I see, I see 350 couples gathered in, in, in our marriage weekends, and I see God turning divorce rates in Fairbanks, Alaska around. I don't know what you see. It's more than a building. Got to see beyond that. I see, I see 700 men worshiping how great thou art at our men's conference. I see 700 women. <laughs> That's a lot of estrogen, but I, I can see it. I can almost feel it <laughs> at the women's conference. Night to shine. We want to partner with Tim Tebow, who has this, uh, they, they, they empower churches to do Night to Shine, where they do proms for special needs kids. But there's, there's, there's certain requirements to have everything on the same floor and same size. They need certain size rooms for different things. And we just can't do that on our current properties. 
Um, but we can't wait to do prom for the special needs community where we show up and do their makeup and we help the guys get dressed up in nice suits and, and, and we literally uh, uh, do a prom for special. I see that. I don't just see a building on some blueprint and we, oh, it's called Church Passy. Cool little marketing gimmick, pastor. No, I see people's lives transformed. Peter somehow backed away from all that he was there and said, who do you think I, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And upon that confession, she said, oh, I can build a building and I can establish and grow people and the gates of hell will be impacted by those people. That's what I see. Do you have faith to see it? So the faith about the facts and the facts about the faith that's bigger than a building includes the building. We have to see beyond the building, the impact. But lastly, friends, church capacity is a team sport. John Wooden, one of the best basketball, probably, you know, uh, UCLA won many national championships for a season, for, for, for a decade. And uh, John Wooden was the coach there at UCLA. And they asked him once, what's the success? Why has your team been so successful? And he said this. Now, coming from California, I have to preface it. He said, every person in my, in my team has 10 hands. I'm not calling Californians weird. But what he meant by that was every single, the, the, the point guard had four other teammates, and he shared the hands with them. He said, every team person on my team has 10 hands. In other words, we all share. And church passing is a team sport. Team is an acronym for together each achieves more. So I know this. I, I know I'm called to reach my neighbor, and my, I, I'm called to reach my area code, my zip code, my address, my neighborhood, my cul-de-sac. That's, and every one of us has to do that. We live missionally, right? But here's the deal. If all of us come together, what can we do together? We do a whole lot more together than before. And, and this is the challenge that I put before our church two years ago. And I want to, I, I, I do this quarterly updates. I want to encourage some of you. Would, would you consider joining the team? Be a partner with the dream. Help God build and battle his kingdom in Fairbanks, Alaska through this local expression called True North. And, and there's five things we asked our church to do. We asked 100% of our church. And I want to ask you, if you've not jumped on to join this, maybe you're new to True North, and, but, but would, you, would you consider partnering with us? And here's the five ways. I, I, I want to encourage everyone to take the next step in their generosity journey. Some of you are like, well, I'm a visitor. See, here, I knew you were talking about money. No, I talked about vision. But when there's vision, there needs to be provision. If you're for the vision, God helps. And God will help you. But I want to tell you how you can be a part of what God's doing here. Number one, if you've never given, take the, take the step and give initially for the first time. Uh, uh, ben and, and Samantha Koenig. Samantha was our early childhood education director for two years. Her husband, Ben, worked uh, in security um, at the border control, actually, for the U.S. at the airport. Just got a new job. He, uh, he's the director of all the, the border patrol for the for United States in Winnipeg, uh, Canada. And uh, his wife always tithed, but Ben didn't grow up ever tithing or giving. So we're talking about church pastor two years ago, and he thought, and his wife's just praying. Honey, I pray my husband would give. I'm going to twist my husband's arm. I'm not going to make him give. So he's just praying, Lord, I pray my husband would give. And so one week he wrote a check out for his tithe. Like, I'm gonna try it once and see what happens. And how do I know that? Because before he left, he sat down with some of our staff and they had lunch with us. And he's crying and he goes, I, 
I, I can't believe how much I robbed myself of being blessed by not giving. Here's a big guy. If you knew Ben, Ben was 6'5", and, and Ben didn't play on the, um, on, on, the, on the volleyball team. He was like a big football guy. He, was, he threw the shot put. He didn't, he didn't do the high jump. Big guy. And he's weeping as he goes, I wrote my first check and I got called in my, uh, the, my, my boss's office the next day. It doesn't always happen like this. He said, I got a pay raise for more than my first check was. Monthly. He says, I, st- I just kept tithing. I gave initially, I started tithing. He says, I, I, I mean, they sold their house with a huge profit. He says, everything I've done, I got a huge pay, the, the, the pay raise. He says, I've been blessed. He says, if I could tell people anything, give for the first time and watch what God does. The initial giver. And, and the second thing is become a consistent giver. If you've given once, give it again. Maybe you go online, make a reoccurring giver. And then thirdly, be an intentional giver. Like, well, okay, wait, you're meddling with my finances. Other people meddle with your finances. How many of you guys intentionally give your cell phone every month? Some of you don't raise your hand. They're going to take your cell phones away. How many of you guys pay your mortgage, your tithe every month? Your mortgage, excuse me. Your mortgage, and you, have, you, 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 you pay taxes, you pay your cell phone, you pay, you, you pay hospital bills. There's lots of things we intentionally give to. Have you thought about tithing? Say, God, I'm going to give 10%. I'm going to tithe. And then there's others, sacrificial. Those are the ones that say, I'm going I'm to give to God in a way that changes me. Sacrifices, like I, there's something I'm not going to do because it's gonna, it's gonna, something's going to happen in my life. And then lastly, legacy giver. And that's, that's what, the legacy giver asks the question, God, not how much am I supposed to give, but how much am I supposed to keep? God, I want to be known for my giving. And, and church, I want to ask you, would you pray about taking the next step? Some of you already have. I don't want to say there's hundreds at True North that have taken the next step. Hundreds that have helped in this process. And, and uh, we'll keep you updated on where we're at. Again, I want to say thank you, church. I want to pray over you. But, but here's the deal. Before I pray over you, I would be remiss if I, I sit here and talk about people of faith living on mission and, 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 and that every soul has a destiny and every soul has, has, an, has an expiration. If I didn't pause, maybe you're here today, you're watching online, and you don't even know Jesus. Maybe you came because you lost a bet. Maybe you came because you hit rock bottom. I met someone last week at Airport or College Road where I preached, and I went up to him, I met him. He gave his life to Jesus that day, and he came to church because life was falling apart. He said, I, my eight-year-old son, I got to pull my life back together, and Jesus, I, that's why. I don't know where you're at, but maybe that's you, or maybe you're here, you're going, I, I, I just need to change. We believe this at True North. We believe we all have an expiration in the milk carton of our life that none of us are promised tomorrow, none of us. One of my best friends from college a week ago was driving on a business trip in Montana. They don't know if he had a heart attack or fell asleep, but he hit a big beam on I-90 and he died. He sold life insurance. I told my wife, I said, I sure hope he has life insurance for his wife's sake. We're not promised tomorrow. That's not to scare you. That's just the reality of life. We all have an expiration. My question is, are you ready to die? Do you know for sure that if you died today, you'd be in the right relationship with Jesus? If you don't, I can tell how to start. It's as easy as A, B, C to start a relationship with Jesus. A, admit your sin. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And C, confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room today? You've never made that faith commitment next step to say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Just pray this prayer. As I pray out loud, dear Jesus, today, I admit I've sinned. 
And I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins to give me eternal life. Jesus, please forgive me today for my sins. And Lord, I confess you today as the Lord of my life. Please be my savior and my life leader and help me serve you the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.